WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath, Ann Arbor, as the bar gets set. Places down, kick is up. It's long enough. It's good! It's good! Michigan wins the game! Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious! radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM, WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding, licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan, operated by students at the University of Michigan, uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Well, it's time for another edition of Great Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And what time is it, Newt Gingrich? It's time for you to get out of the race. <laughs> but alas, he won't. Uh, he's out on the campaign trail. Uh, undoubtedly tomorrow, after he uh, doesn't win either Alabama or Mississippi, he will uh, once again have a presidential acceptance speech possibly from a mental institution in Alabama. Uh, it's interesting that just a couple of weeks ago, uh, this little item came in that uh, this is from the 17th of February. It says Alabama will shut down most of its mental hospitals by the spring of uh, 2013 in a sweeping plan to cut costs and change how the state's psychiatric patients receive treatment. State officials announced Wednesday, budget cuts in Alabama. Newt Gingrich has had an influx of campaign volunteers that want to drive the bus. And he's on board uh, calling uh, Obama's energy plans cuckoo land today, which uh, struck me as strange. Well, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. Uh, forgive the expression. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, as long as... Uh, uh, Sheldon Adelson is willing to uh, yeah. endlessly uh, kick over the cash to the uh, Gingrich machine. I hesitate to call it that. It's more like a one of those dipping birds that sort of you put on the windowsill that Grandma used to have. Uh, throw some more cash in and Newt dips and tips a little bit more. Uh, he's on record as having said, I might give $10 million or $100 million to Gingrich. Uh, he 
said to Forbes magazine. <clears throat> so, well, as uh, Gail Collins put it, who knew that uh, we had so many loopy billionaires in America? Um, Newt Gingrich's Super Tuesday um, performance was impressive. He got below single digits in Idaho, Massachusetts, North Dakota, Vermont, Virginia. And I don't have the Alaska results with me. I never saw those. Those were caucuses. Um, yet he's in the race still. Uh, of course, he won uh, Georgia handily. Um, even lost to uh, uh, Romney in uh, Tennessee, I seem to remember. So Alabama and Mississippi that are having primaries tomorrow will probably mark the sort of de facto end of this uh, of this race. Obviously, it's going to continue uh, for other reasons. Santorum, I think, I originally thought he was running for vice president mm-hmm. to begin with. But uh, I think at this point, he uh, is eyeing a run uh, in 2016. Newt Gingrich might actually be running for vice president. I don't really know what he's doing. Um, I can't see Romney ever agreeing to that. <laughs> All the, you know, bending over backwards and uh, yeah, howdy y'all fake uh, mannerisms that he's putting on uh, today for the folks down south. <clears throat> I don't think Romney has the stomach for Newt on the ticket. Right. He's not disciplined enough, but he may be able to deliver some southern votes for hmm. Romney, though, I don't understand why the Republican Party is even worried about these states. These states are going to vote Republican, uh, even if Attila the Hun was on the ballot. And you know... Uh, Look for coming attractions. He, he may get he in the might race. might be more desirable than any of these guys. <laughs> He's probably got a store of gold somewhere. <laughs> the gold standard uh, could find no greater enthusiast. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Ron Paul... Uh, uh, next week, because um, I, I do have some updated information about the gold standard. By the way, there's a very uh, interesting expose uh, in the most recent Na- Nation magazine about one of Ron Paul's millionaire uh, backers that uh, raises some troubling questions. Uh, not that this guy has changed any of Ron Paul's positions, but basically this guy... Actually, he is a billionaire. I, I correct myself. He's uh, he was the founder of Pen, uh, PayPal, which he sold to uh, one of those internet companies for a big, tidy sum, and uh, obviously owns lots of stock. Uh, brain damage award to Rick Santorum. Uh, he's insisting after his uh, impressive victory in North Dakota, the one state I got wrong, by the way, um, that it's not about math. It's not about the delegates. He's claiming victory because he is being outspent by Romney, which is true. Mike DeWine uh, made this argument last week as well after uh, Romney narrowly won Ohio. But the important thing that Romney's doing is he's winning the delegate game. And at this point... That's typically how it's done, Rick. (laughs) That's what it's about. Uh, Actually, it is about the math. uh, Fortunately, that's a subject that I d- doubt that Rick Santorum homeschools his children in, but... Well, you know, all the knows? math in the Bible is uh, multiples of 40. Yeah. <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. 40 lashes, 
for Jesus. 40 years uh, in the case of Moses. I think it was 40 years. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it continues to be a circus. And uh, the Republican Party's arguments, of course, keep changing uh, depending on the week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and I always uh, recommend this date to go back and check uh, out the reporting on the 7th of December. That's when Newt Gingrich was actually the front runner. Hmm. It all changed after that. And the other in- four days later, <laughs> the other interesting thing about that date and the reason I just quickly mention it is that was one of the last uh, dispatches by Anthony Shadid from home Syria, which actually talks about hmm. how complicated the actual situation on the ground is. Uh, we've heard more advocacy of uh, from John McCain of starting uh, another war in the Middle East. Uh, it's complete. Well, he, yeah, let's be clear. Uh, McCain wants to go to war against Iran and Syria. Yeah, as if we don't have enough on our plate already. And this just latest unfortunate incident in Afghanistan reminds us that uh, it's, it's time to go. Time to go. Time to. Uh, we've stayed too long. We uh, have overstayed our welcome. And um, why John McCain wants America to take over the killing in Syria on behalf of al-Qaeda hasn't been explained satisfactorily. Uh, He's allowed to throw bombs from the Senate floor. Uh, And it's, uh, I think, very unfortunate uh, that more scrupulous analysis of what actually is going on in Syria is not uh, discussed more forthrightly in uh, our public discourse. Well, there's been so much media attention uh, to the possibility that Iran may be inching closer. There's, all, I mean, most of the experts agree that they're still a couple of years away yeah. uh, from having uh, m- atomic weapons and uh, delivery systems for same. <clears throat> but this is, uh, interestingly, a way for uh, Netanyahu and the Likud party to sort of play American politics Indeed. and uh, complicate things for Obama. Um, uh, he may as well have worn a Mitt Romney uh, pin on his lapel when he uh, spoke to Congress last in these most recent visits. Uh, it's another way for uh, Netanyahu to sort of deflect the uh, Palestinian uh, situation, the ongoing uh, settlement, uh, settlement movement, which has been unchecked and unstopped. And for all of his uh, hoity-howdy rhetoric about uh, America needs to endorse uh, all the options, including a military attack, Obama wisely says, diplomacy is beginning to work. Why do we want to complicate factors when Iran's only other natural ally in the region, Syria, is in complete disarray? Uh, This would position, uh, an attack on Iran would position uh, Iran as the victim. Uh, yeah, certainly would be a, a, a tactical blunder to cede that moral high ground. Uh, one wonders if Netanyahu, at the end of the day, really uh, expects anything uh, like a U.S. military attack, or is he simply playing American politics? Well, probably the latter. Let's remember that he was an ambassador to the United States uh, for quite some time uh, before he became the leader of Likud. He's, I think he was even educated uh, here in the United States, uh, um, probably at one of the Ivy League schools, but perhaps at Liberty U. <laughs> Say that jokingly. Uh, I noticed, uh, by the way, speaking of right-wing cuckoos, Pat Robertson has come out in favor of 
legalizing marijuana. Oh, really? I'll bring that clipping in next week. <laughs> Fascinating Maybe he stuff. thinks that people who are high will accidentally phone up and give him money. I'm not sure what his long-term <laughs> agenda is. Yeah, and, and of course, the sad thing about the uh, is, is Israel... Israeli-Iranian problem, and of course Netanyahu was in uh, in uh, town last week, is that Obama is then ob obligated to give a sort of hawkish uh, rhetoric speech to the APAC uh, entity, which uh, unfortunately has an undue influence on American foreign policy. I always recommend uh, the um, John Mearsheimer mm. uh, book, Oh, it's co-written by another guy whose name I'm drawing a blank on, Walt something or other. It'll probably come to me, but it's called the uh, uh, American-Israeli Lobby, and it's about APAC's uh, undue influence over the years. Um, and I think one of the more uh, relevant arguments is that America needs to think about it its interests ahead of Israel's. And I don't see how a war in the Middle East uh, involving Iran would do anybody any good it's interesting to note by the way just recently uh pakistan um has signed deals to buy iranian oil so this is yet another example of the problem that the united states i mean it'll never get a u.n resolution uh through the security council because china buys a significant amount of its oil from iran russia is uh also nominally allied with Iran for different reasons, and India is as well. These are big, uh, important countries with lots of people. Well, uh, and it's a regional concern yeah. for a country like China or India, too, obviously, sure. because this is, the, I mean, it makes sense for them to have Iran as a trading partner. They're nearby. And I'm sure that Turkey would uh, not welcome a, uh Israeli war with Iran because it would... Turkish-Israeli relations are already at a, a low for other reasons. And you have to wonder, really, what the long-term... Uh, I mean, how would Israel measure a successful completion of an attack on Iran? Uh, you know, they'd probably uh, be more firmly entrenched in the idea of getting nuclear weapons and would just, you know, defer it a couple of years down the line. Yeah, and leaving aside the technical aspects of... of um Israel's ability to, uh, I'm sure they can hit Iran with their air uh, power, but uh, most experts point out they don't have the uh, bunker-busting bombs. No, and they'd probably only have one shot at it, too, because uh, flying over hostile territory, they would, uh, you know, just have the one go. And how that would enhance Israel's security with respect to uh, its neighbors um, regarding such a, a move is questionable they're obviously trying to get the united states to do the dirty work well and sort of lost and in obama the, uh, hasn't fallen for that he's quite indeed. i think he's been you know he has walked a little bit of a tightrope uh i i would call his address to the apac uh lobby uh a sort of a pro forma speech perfunctory just nothing yeah all that extraordinary or unusual uh this is sort of uh obligatory politics that uh, Democrats in particular have to uh, engage in. One thing that very rarely comes up in all of the uh, controversy and speculation and debate about an Israeli attack on Iran is uh, the fact that Israel has had atomic weapons for quite some time now. It's never mentioned, um, although 
They have political prisoners uh, who've uh, tried to reveal information about that. It's remarkable to see somebody like good old helmetless John McCain uh, say, quote, there should be no daylight between America and Israel in our assessment of the threat from Iran. Um, last I checked, there's only 50 stars on the uh, U.S. flag. Yeah, and the, the idea that Iran is a threat is is also a bit of a myth. The uh, ambassador to Iran, and I'm not speaking for the government of Iran here, but has pointed out that Iran actually has not been an aggressor, aggressor in a war uh, in well over a 150 years. Now, they have been invaded at different times by other entities in the region. And they have funded various Shia groups, uh, Hezbollah. Yeah. Uh, They're certainly engaged in regional uh, power um, uh, games and terrorism, if, if uh, we want to throw that word in there. But so, so then there are a lot of other people. Of course, um, the, the real reason that Obama is suffering from some loss of support in the American Jewish community is this silly perception that he's been tough on Israel. Um, just uh, from a couple of weeks ago, it says Israel gave preliminary approval on Wednesday to a plan to build 600 new homes in a settlement deep inside the West Bank. This is from the tw uh, 23rd of uh, February AP. <laughs> so there's this argument that Obama has been tough on Israel regarding the settlements. Certainly behind the scenes, uh, this issue has been brought up repeatedly. What's Israel's response? Build more settlements. Build some more. So uh, the, the whole thing is all mixed up. Uh, a British uh, nuclear scientist pointed out many years ago that it's not sufficient, by the way, from a technical perspective to have even enriched uranium. You need to have highly enriched uranium. There's a very, very complicated, expensive technological process to get uranium down to a pure enough form to, quote, weaponize. And, of course, weaponize. And why on earth would Iran fire a missile at anybody? I don't quite understand this. They're, they're trying to sell oil. Right. That's well, and their this, export product. This phrase that gets kicked around a lot, too, that uh, a nuclear-armed Iran represents, quote, an existential threat to Israel. Well, strictly speaking, nuclear weapons represent an existential threat to humankind, yeah. to all nations, to all people. And uh, certainly uh, the settlement uh, process uh, could be said to have an existential threat yes. uh, to Palestinians. So uh, or Israel. it's a misleading term. And ultimately, long term, Israel itself. Because obviously there's you know, been some recent rocket attacks that mm -hmm. we know about. You know, the United States, of course, has thousands of nuclear warheads still. Um, we're the only country that's actually used nuclear weapons in the past. Uh, we had to suspend uh, wisely after over, you know, above ground testing in the 1950s that resulted in radiation spreading all over the earth. Uh, thanks to the United States and the Soviet Union, uh, we we finally came up with a uh, treaty to stop that sort of nonsense. And as I've just pointed out. Iran's main customers in the oil market are Pakistan, India, China, and Western Europe. <laughs> um, you know, one of one of the biggest uh, buyers of Iranian oil is Italy. Uh, Europe, Europe, and and I'm sure Japan, which mm -hmm. I think recently um, has gone along with the sanctions against Iran. 
to, to cease buying oil uh, from Iran, but uh, they've been a previous customer as well. Uh, so the global g- sort of geopolitical economic uh, analysis doesn't indicate any way, shape, or form that Iran represents a existential threat, let alone an actual threat. Um, it's my understanding that uh, inspectors are allowed into these facilities. I'm kind of curious if the same standard applies to Israel. I kind of doubt it. Um, inquiring minds want to know. And as Ask Mordecai Venunu. Yeah, and as for uh, how this, uh, you know, has impacted the uh, cost of gasoline, Newt Gingrich running around the country promising two fifty dollars a gallon gasoline because he's going to pump up the volume. Well, the big thing. Is he talking about the strategic reserves there or something? I mean, uh, talk about your quick fix scenario. Yeah, well, he thinks he, for some reason, can come in and pump more oil quicker than Obama already is. I don't, I don't quite understand it. It's interesting, by the way, that. Over the weekend, they reported that last year, which I think is a good sign, it says that America took 10.4 billion rides on public transportation in 2011, a billion more than they took in 2000, and the second most since 1957. Wow. Very interesting that that would be the next, the all-time high. Closest year, yeah. But that suggests uh, that... Big cities like Detroit might have had mass transit viability back in 1957. Well, in 1957, the uh, U.S. highway system, uh, heavily funded and supported by U.S. government spending, is nearing its completion. Yeah. And car sales are beginning to boom. Pump up the volume and yeah. perhaps... Uh, but those were different times. That was a, a bygone era, and all of Newt's cotton candy fantasy is... Uh, Never going to return us there. Yeah, well, he called Obama's energy plan cuckoo land. Uh, No, actually, the cuckoo land is Newt Gingrich's energy plan. Um, By the way, in that very same edition of The Nation magazine, there's a very good and uh, informative article by Michael T. Clare, who's been a prominent uh, left-wing author over the years, uh, one of his great all-time books is called War Without End, which uh, discusses uh, the misplaced priorities with the American budget regarding Pentagon spending. And he's turned his attention in recent uh, years to uh, energy um, and has written a couple of books there. Uh, He continues to be a professor of peace and world security studies at Hampshire College and is the longtime nation defense correspondent. He's the author of the most recent uh, book, The Race for What's Left, A Global Scramble for the World's Last Resources. Now, Newt Gingrich has talked about this quite extensively, the so-called peak oil debate, uh, which, of course, you know, we, we've, we've been arguing about peak oil for quite some time. Going back to the first Gulf War. Uh, it's important to remember the numbers here. The uh, globe on an annual basis, consumes about 30... And I'm, we're just talking oil here, by the way. Um, and I love these uh, energy comparisons where the... Uh, you know, I wish that they'd always keep it in barrels of oil equivalent rather than throwing in British thermal units. Mm. I don't know how to convert that into barrels of oil <laughs> in, a, in a quick, easy fashion. 
I'm sure there's some uh, complicated math formula that perhaps an enterprising junior high school student who knows the quadratic formula can call me up right now and tell me what it is. But, I, you know, I, I get kind of frustrated when I see uh, energy disgust uh, in this weird, uh, oh, we're going to compare barrels of oil to British thermal units, you know, involving natural gas and all these other options. And, uh, of course, with all the wind we've been having recently, uh, one wonders where the windmills are, but there are uh, not enough of them uh, up and running. But this goes into a kind of interesting discussion about why gasoline prices have gone up uh, in recent uh, years, despite the fact that, uh, as the Obama administration has pointed out, we're actually consuming less gas, less oil than we were uh, several years ago. Uh, we're producing more, and yet we're exporting gasoline. Mm. Now, why are we doing that? Well, the oil companies have realized, hey, there's money to be made. They're not interested in energy security or imported oil. We're exporting gasoline. Cash money, baby. Cash money, baby. That's what it's about. And um, fracking, which he, he goes into in this uh, discussion, which uh, Newt Gingrich and uh, Rick Santorum both uh, wish to uh, make a state's rights regulatory issue. They, they, they want the states to regulate the environment on these things. I don't really know that much. Uh, you know, there are troubling questions about fracking. Very disturbing. But let's remember, this is expensive, energy-intensive production. We, we need to put a lot of energy into making this natural gas with unknown environmental consequences, mm. just like the Alberta tar sands. Yeah. And, of course, the Keystone Pipeline debate is all mixed up in this presidential year. Uh, Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum obviously have argued that uh, that's why the gas prices are high. Well, I think it's a little more complicated than that. And I think a lot of saber-rattling about Iran has got a lot to do with it. <laughs> Who's been doing that? Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum and John McCain. And uh, Netanyahu. And Netanyahu. Their buddy. And uh, well, it's interesting uh, and, and re worth remembering, too, that when uh, a little bit of saber rattling occurs, the media is all over it. And it's the top story for the next couple of days. Experts believe that Iran may be getting closer to having a nuclear weapon. Blah, blah, blah. Israel may attack. The prices go up instantly. Now, the gas that you're pumping, when the price goes up from a Tuesday to a Wednesday, the gas that you're pumping into your car it hasn't been oil for quite some time. Right. And so it's it's really unaffected by any price changes and things pumped that next day. But the oil industry gets away with this massive gouge. If you can imagine how much gas is pumped just on a single day in this country alone. And when you bump the price up just that handful of cents on stuff that you paid a fixed amount for months ago to be processed... This is flat-out gouging. Yeah, and There's it's no no uh, connection at all between the gas that's in the tanks and the events which drive up the price of oil per gallon yeah, per and barrel. It, and the numbers are, are relevant. The, the globe uses about 30 billion barrels of oil a year. The United States consumes about 7 billion, or between 18 and 20 million barrels a day. So when you hear about the tar sands... Uh, you know, the pipeline coming down here to produce, uh, you know, 150,000 barrels of oil a day or some 
ridiculously small number, you realize uh, this isn't going to have much of an impact on oil prices or gasoline prices in any short-term uh, fashion. And this argument that keeps being made that oil is somehow a free market commodity, uh, give me a break. Where you guys been for the last 100 years? Oil is, <laughs> is owned by cartels, large international monarchies, uh, large international multinational corporations, uh, many of them diversified energy corporations. How coincidental is that? Uh, you know, they buy up small solar companies, mm-hmm. BP, Exxon, Mobil. And, of course, the breakup of Standard Oil that occurred uh, about a century ago, it just is the way American capitalism always works. When the uh, monopoly is broken in, up into oligopolies, then there's recombination. It's like recombinant DNA. <laughs> It's Newt Gingrich. You know, the corporation is an organism whose primary interest is self-preservation and uh, survival. You know, through dominance, if at all possible. The energy solution could be the big fig learning how to clone palm trees, and we can use palm oil. (laughs) Then the big fig can uh, dance around the roller rink uh, looking like a pineapple. Literally. (laughs) <laughs> With his rollerblades and his his rollerblades, snappy suspenders. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Pumping your gas and wiping your windshield clean, because that's on, the American way. Well, it's absolutely on fire uh, presidential campaign. I, I'm trying to find the southern state that Romney beat him in last week. It's just hilarious, you know. Oh, I got you know. I gives a presidential acceptance speech after finishing second in Florida. <laughs> Newt, those Alabama mental institutes are going to remain open for one more year. Just in case. Check yourself in <laughs> for a checkup. So th- this, this oil thing is very complicated, and Michael Clare goes into, I think, a very interesting discussion about the complexity of the Alberta tar sands, how expensive that is, how... Uh, well, those weren't even deemed uh, within the realm of the worthwhile until a couple years yeah. ago when the price per barrel went so high because it's just that costly in energy output and resource uh, outlays just to get it out of the ground. And that's the key to understanding what the heck's going on. If oil is trading around $100 a barrel, which it is, it's that's when it's economical to use this quote-unquote hard-to-get oil that's mm-hmm. being Put into the market. Um, Newt Gingrich doesn't talk about the invasion of Iraq. I seem to remember when I uh, checked out my uh, facts uh, recently that oil was trading at $27 a barrel before we uh, went on that adventure. And what an adventure it was. (laughs) Newt Uh, Gingrich uh, leading the charge of the Light Brigade. (laughs) Yeah. With pants that just aren't helping. On a camel where he gets to reenact the famous Lawrence of Arabia scene, the David Lean movie. He's where been through the desert on a camel with no name. Yes, a camel with no name, and he's got the saber looking at himself in the, in the sunlight, admiring his physique. <laughs> a robust newt. If not his pineapple head. 
Oh, uh, where are the palm trees? Speaking of them? pineapple heads, uh, there's uh, not much more that needs to be said about it, but uh, worth noting that <clears throat> Rush Limbaugh has... Uh, Overstayed his o- welcome? <laughs> over Overstepped his bounds or <laughs> overbounded his steps, as Stan Laurel 